0: behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. It's actually been a, a little bit since we've recorded, um, and I'm actually really blessed to be sitting here with Keegan and Michael from Nonprofit. We're actually going to dive deep into the symposium um and what it entails i've been getting a lot of questions from individuals about it and it's something that words really can't explain but we're going to do our best <laughs> here today
1: i, I was going to say if you want us to explain the supposing it's
2: gonna be a really fucking short podcast <laughs> we, we probably should have invited somebody else to explain this thing <laughs> no one really hurts,
0: yeah. uh no that's that's literally the truth there it and I've been able to sit in, in, in them the past two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've you've we've been able to establish, you know, when I say we, we've been able to establish a really deep connection mm-hmm. with each other outside of them as well. Um, and it's been something that's really been close to my heart and you know, I felt called to come sit here and let's let's share what you guys are doing with the symposium because of the fact that the fitness is fucked. That's what it's literally called, right? The fitness yeah. is fucked. But there's no <laughs> fitness talked about
2: well so maybe this will help because i think that it is i think that it is all it actually is fitness but we're not talking about exercise um we go back to and although we come from exercise we come from a training background preparing like physicality and you know even psychology for somebody to be able to do some of this Competition, athletic endeavors, even like in the military experience or alpine experience or whatever the ultra running, all of this stuff is just athletic endeavors. It has a deep philosophical and psychological root to it. Um, But when you just think of fitness as um, exercise, you frame it, it, you limit it by framing it as a physical thing. And so when I say fitness is fucked, I'm talking about survivability, like fitness in the old world term, as in a selection process. Like, you are fit because you can remain alive. Okay. And I mean that not just, like, remain in existence, because there's plenty of people existing, but there's very few people living. So when I say fitness is fucked, there's very few people that are, like, continuing to live, and that's what we try to promote, is, like, exercise comes into it because your your physical ability allows you to branch out into your psychological and philosophical, um, I guess, roots, yeah. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: I think it ties into what me and you talked about earlier, George. That Instagram post I read you, that was like, "Oh, we program our workouts so people stay motivated, but workouts don't <laughs> motivate people." <laughs> it's the like, sure, you get a feeling once in a while when you you know you PR or you know whatever the thing is, but those PRs aren't the thing that like drive you in the rest of your life. It's you know the the work you do leading up to it, the conversations you have. The interactions you have with people. It's not just like five by five back squat. Cool. I added 10 pounds. Like you can't carry that with you into anything else you do if you don't understand the process of what you're doing.
2: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't mean this like in a crude sense to like, you know, throw anybody off, but no one cares how you jerk off. Like they really don't. Yeah. Like we, we always make the joke, like the joke, is it thumb in, is it thumb out? And that what we mean by that is like the, the particulars of how you get off in exercise are literally like, who cares? Yeah. You know, if I use a dumbbell or a barbell or I use a trail or a bike or a ski machine or a rucksack or whatever, it, like you're exploring something about yourself and that's the important part of it. And very few people realize that. They think that it's like a laundry list of things that they need and there'll be an arrival. And once they have that arrival, then they'll, they'll oh, I'm here. Yeah. I'm fit. And a lot of people, like, people view fitness as a thing. Uh, and we say this about you know every aspect of of what we include as fitness they they think of it as a thing and i don't i think of it as a process which means you have to align with it and it, you don't you don't attain it it doesn't belong to you it's not property it's not it's not tangible in the sense that i can grab it it's tangible in the sense that i can i can have it work with me like i can i can have endurance features that are favorable like I can go for this long that's good like that or I have strength features like I can move this much weight but as I can only do that as long as I'm working with it like I'm never like oh cool I you know I got my 400 pound back squat now I don't have to do that anymore that might actually be true you might not have to do it anymore because you found out that that was a dead end for you but if I want to keep that ability the really important part is I take those lessons and I apply them throughout. And I, I think we've talked about this before when you're talking about the strength manual on here. Um, but I repeat myself, so I might as well do it again. But th- like when we when we think about strength, we don't think about it as a like a number somebody should arrive. like the standard that usually people have two times body weight deadlift or two times body weight or one and a half body weight um, clean or whatever. They get to a standard and then they stop progressing because they think that they've attained something that is noteworthy. But like how we practice jujitsu, I want to know, like, you get to a level at some point where you can finally practice. And that's how I think of all these features. Once I understand what I'm using strength or endurance training for, then I can, that'll, that's the starting point. Yeah. Like, everybody thinks that that's the end point, which is why they get so frustrated. They think there's an end to it, which is why they're unable to survive, like, modern life. Right, that yeah. they haven't started living yet, and that's really kind of what we're trying to do with the symposium is um, take people from that mindset through conversation and uh, and physical effort at the same time, blend them together, but do it in a way that shows them that has this experience involved into it. I want to continue on with your jerking off analogy. <laughs> I want to continue. I, to jerking <laughs> I hope
1: the the softly listeners don't mind, but it's kind of like, and I just thought of this as you were saying it. Like, you know, it's the morning, you get up, you don't know what to do, you jerk off, it feels great, you watch porn, whatever. It doesn't inform, like, how to love somebody or how to have an experience with a significant other as much as people might think it does. Like, it's a part of it to a degree, and you can practice it in a way that might, like, maybe it makes you better at having sex or whatever the thing is. But it still doesn't teach you, like, how to completely love another person. Yeah. Which I think when you, you know, you PR your Fran, it's kind of the same thing. Like you do it in front of a bunch of people, you feel great, you go take a shower afterwards, and then you're like, cool, now what do I do? As opposed to, you know, having some thought and some intention behind what you're
0: doing um, in the gym to inform things you're doing outside of it. No, that makes sense. And the biggest thing that, you know, I've taken from being around you guys since I've moved out here is everything inside that gym is a tool to go ahead and facilitate a new thought process or a conversation and at times especially during the symposium there might not be fitness at all but individuals are doing the fitness thing outside of the symposium which lead to them now creating a conversation within the symposium yeah you know that has been the eye-opener for me because for the longest time i never looked at the gym as just tools mm-hmm. just like everyone else i looked them at i looked them at as this vessel that got me to a destination and if i got to that destination and I wasn't happy with it I then realized my self worth was less mm. that that is something that I realize in a lot of individuals in the fitness space today right you made a post about it yesterday talking about if your gym's not doing conversations and utilizing physical effort to create change afterwards and all these other things you're the problem and I truly do believe that right because we have gyms out there who do that you know I had an individual text me when I or DM me after seeing that and they were like yeah the coach running my CrossFit class started closing the gym up ten minutes prior to everyone finishing the workout <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I, I don't know who that is but <laughs> I, I'm sure it's' I, I, I'm, that's a pretty probably common thing right yeah. get in get out all right you got you because they see the value in the exercise and I think one thing that we I mean we've been practicing this way for quite some time. We just didn't know what we are doing. We are getting results as in people being able to change their life, being able to, you know, make meaningful life changes, which in a lot, like it's, it's common for people to come in, train for a while. We teach them our concepts and then they leave, which I think is the most valuable thing where they're like, Hey, I got what I needed. Like they, they arrived at a point where we are unnecessary. And that obviously is a bad business model. Like, I would never tell another person to run their gym like we run, but that is what gives me satisfaction is going, cool. I mean, we used to say, if somebody had spent a year to two years with us and they still needed us, we didn't do our job correctly. Yeah. We didn't teach them like, how to move and take care of themselves. And you mentioned like tools in a gym. I also think there's, a, there's another layer to that that is really important is that the walls of a gym are the biggest tool. Right? I'm separating the outside from the inside so that I can organize myself and hear and then apply it. And that, that's something that's missing for most fitness things. Most fitness programs are integration. How are you integrating these concepts into your daily life? Yeah. Um, as, as like an example, the strength feature, um, like what does training strength do for you psychologically? Right. If if I if I'm tied to the number and my value is just adding to that number, then my value goes down when that number goes down. So as soon as you, you know, age like everybody does, that number eventually declines. I don't care who you are, time is a motherfucker. And you know, if I at one time I had, you know, my four hundred pound back squat and I just slowly creep it down, all I'm using strength for is like a clock. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm declining. But if I use it, if I change it so that I'm using my expression of strength. As what, like to build confidence and to put myself against a, an obstacle, what can I do against this? I'm, te- I'm building my psychology to continually get better, irrelevant of the number. And that, that's, an, that's a, a feature that you can integrate into your daily life. When you're faced with hardship, you go, okay, what's my setup? You know what's my grip on this? How am I going to carry this load? How am I going to how am I going to deal with what is essentially a pretty painful thing? How long can I hold this attitude? And that to me is strength. What you <coughs> squat is really totally fucking irrelevant to me. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's usually the feature of the opposite. Somebody that can just express strength greatly is usually myopic. Right, and there's usually no translatable thing. I mean, we all know those people who are freaks, like human freaks. that can run as far or whatever in one domain, but then their life is a disaster, and they're you know they don't know how to deal with depression. They don't know how to deal with the ups and
0: downs. They don't know how to deal with setbacks. Right, which they, means they haven't learned anything.
1: I would say they they run so far because they're running away from all of those sure, things. Sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and that's that's something that you know I've really kind of taken into heart as well. It was understanding that like endurance or strength is just a system of systems, Uh right? Like Mm -hmm. looking at it from that point of view now allows the individual to create a multifaceted approach to go ahead and better themselves, right? Again, because the container is the four walls that we create. Mm -hmm. We utilize the tools within there to go ahead and make us better, we, it doesn't make us better. What makes us better is now taking those things that we learned, those lessons we learned and integrating them into our everyday life, learning how to cross the bridge with what we just learned so that it actually helps us create change. Hmm. And that has been the biggest eye-opener for me, especially sitting inside with these symposiums and training in here with you guys. right Everything becomes a ritual. Everything is is a certain way we do things to go ahead and facilitate this lesson that we're being taught or it's a teacher and then we can go ahead and move from that and continue growing mm-hmm. right the the interesting part about you know I, I think the interesting part is
2: how rare it is that people come to these conclusions and it might be because we have bad incentives like we you know most gyms <laughs> we're not one of them we have to like drive they have to drive enough business like i need more clients which means Every time you add a person, you add a responsibility. And the more responsibilities that you have, the more it dilutes the process. So, I mean, how many people, you're a coach, how many people can you guide through change at one time? Like, how much energy does it cost you? And, and there's there's no right or wrong yeah. answer. But as soon as I hear somebody has like 250 online clients, I'm like, oh, you're a workout writer and that's fine. Like that's a good way to make a living. You can make a lot of money doing that and it might facilitate, you know, it's like a masturbate. It's like porn hub for, for exercise. You're just like, man, there's a lot of stuff to do and that's really useful if you're bored or you don't know what else to do. Um, But as a feature
0: of change, it's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. You make a valid point there, especially when we talk about having multiple clients. We just talked about this earlier too, right? Um, you know, how genuine are you when you are writing those programs are, you know, when you're working with that individual, because I look at individual program design and when I say individual program design, I'm not talking about you have 10 athletes on the one template. It's specific to that individual and then another program specific to that individual towards their strengths mm-hmm. and their weaknesses. There's only so much energy you can give, like you said, yeah. right? But it's a privilege to go ahead and have that energy come from a coach who can give that to you. And I don't think the coaches within the fitness space <sighs> understand that privilege that an athlete comes and asks for your help to go mm-hmm. ahead and facilitate guiding them from point A to point B to point C, yeah. you know, destination towards destination.
2: I mean, and this is, I mean, the times that we're in with, you know, the pandemic and people being shut down and really there's a, there's a huge importance being put on how well you can take care of yourself i mean it literally means your life or death yep. and I, although that's not being talked about because we're looking for a savior of some sort who's going to come you know give us a vaccine who's going to go who's going to make it safe for us and th- that is that describes fitness make it safe for yourself um our big thing is to to make people autonomous not to not reliant. I don't want dependency. I don't that doesn't help me at all. It just zaps me. But if I think in the to the selling point for us to try to get more people in this industry to to act the way at least it, you know with their own style, you don't have to be us per se, but to take on the responsibility of taking somebody from a you know, a dependent Situation into an autonomous situation is it will make you better. Mm-hmm. Like the more people I get better, the better I will become. I am, I'm like, uh, that's how I improve myself, not by being the authority, but actually by leading, I'll get pushed, right? Because like, eventually somebody is going to learn past me and I'm going to want to keep up with them. So it's going to drive me to learn more, learn better, and express myself in a favorable manner that is, you know, as is, is hokey it is, that's self improvement. So uh, that's been the whole premise for our thing. And, you know, we go back and forth here about how we're going to constantly, I mean, that's one thing we kind of talk about all the time is like, how are we going to keep improving? Like, how are we going to keep fresh blood here? How are we going to like get new ideas? Because those walls, we built them so strong to protect this space, but that also protects it from new ideas. So there's, there's a very fine line where we go, okay, let's like, let's, let's filter in some new blood and some new ideas and then let's mess with some things that might challenge us. Like that's our own way of developing. And
0: we, we do that by sometimes going other places too. Yeah. That's, that's been the, the biggest thing too, is not not being afraid to step out of the space and going ahead and learning from others or seeking advice from others. Cause then we come back into the space mm-hmm. and we see that growth within each other. And then it's like, cool. I see what he's doing. We talked about the other day, right? Leading by example. When I told this to Keegan the other night, you know, it's like the reason why we only get better within the four walls is due to the fact because we have everyone taking the steps forward Mm -hmm. and they're their own authority. Right. Right. Like that is it. We no longer look at you as, hey, you're the leader or Keegan's the leader or Mark's the leader or whatever else. No, we're all our own leader and Mm -hmm. we are just following in suit. Not being a liability, but actually being an asset when we come into the space. Yes,
1: and we kind of talked about it. I think it was yesterday, like moving energy, and like there's always not somebody out in front is in like better or above, but is in like oh, like they're driving the direction this is going. Let's hop on board, follow that. At Mm -hmm. some point, it's you know whatever the whatever you call that run, where somebody's in front, and the person in relay. Right, really, yeah. You know what I wanted to call it that I'm not allowed to call it, (laughs) but we just call it Indian runs in like Little League or whatever. We call it leapfrogging. Yeah, like that's kind of like I feel like we're doing here where it's like, oh, all right, like so and so's out in the lead. Let's, you know, follow that energy, see where it goes. And then at some point, somebody gets leapfrogged and it's just continually driving in some direction using that energy as kind of like the, I don't fucking know, like.
2: Uh, Well, the the hard part about what you're describing is that that there's some point where someone will get so far ahead and it'll discourage the other people. And it's not that that person should stop developing, but they should come back and not leave the people that they think should come with them behind. And so there's this like, we do this all the time, like one person will start to excel and actually like it'll, it'll suppress other people's feeling like they're not developing fast enough and discourage it. And that's a real human problem. Um, the idea is that you pick appropriate people that, you know, can recognize and have honest conversations about where they are behind and where you're behind. And they can be even honest, like, Hey, you're going too fast, man. Like you're way out there and that's fine, but come back for us or like teach me or like show me how to do what you're doing. Um, and we need that. Like I, even from me and Mark's standpoint, like we need people to come tell us when we're too far out there, which happens, you know? Uh, yeah. we we haven't found the edge yet, but we try so many different things that it, it can be, I mean, a perfect example is Keegan trying, you know, a carnivore diet and us initially doing our human thing. We we're like, ah, oh, bullshit. Like it's going to be this, <laughs> it's going to be that. And eventually turned into one, two, and the other, we got tricked into trying it. And now it's like, okay, that that's something like I have to repattern everything that I thought about this thing, which is learning and figure out how to use it as a tool it's an added tool why didn't i think that i could do without it or why did i think i i could judge what it was going to be like without ever feeling it and that's it that happens to us all the time like we think we know what running does to us oh, i see runners i don't like them i like i i see triathletes what they're like have you ever done a triathlon no then you like don't make you know a judgment call yeah. about whether it's beneficial
0: or detrimental to you yeah that's been the biggest thing too is like being able to you know realize that right like seeing you and your path seeing keegan on his path and seeing everyone around us it's like i just want to catch behind that drift sure yeah and continue going but understanding that i still have to do my own work even if i'm in that drift right like one thing you know when i was an instructor at the schoolhouse we used to tell students hey don't drift behind anybody <laughs> yeah. but then you would catch a dudes drifting behind them and it was like oh no but they're still having to work sure right and they're still having to do these things and they're still putting in the experience they're still they're still trying to figure it out and they're just trying to find something to help them move along and i think that's when the weekends come for the symposiums i don't know about you guys but this is going to be my third one with you guys uh-huh. you know i have this energy of just like of like huh. i think you always have that <laughs> <laughs> i think that's you no 100% yeah, but i'm, I'm just actually kidding. just um, but being around you guys so much and making those steps forward myself and learning that I'm my own authority, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I'm actually now able to feel the energy and being like, all right, cool. Like, how's this gonna be? It's like, don't let it overwhelm me or overwhelm others Mm -hmm. because it's not about me. It's not about you, Keegan. It's not about you, Michael. It's about every single individual walking into this space this weekend and bringing their own energy to conversate and create this experience because I've gotten questions before. It's like, hey, what it's about? And it's like... It changes every single time. And as it should. Like, I, I mean,
2: there was a point when me and Mark were first teaching fitness stuff back in the, the Jim Jones days, um, the manual changed every single iteration. So we would teach a level one, quote unquote, uh, se- a seminar, and it would. It, we would go back through entirely and rewrite sections that we would cut them, we would trim the fat, we'd get rid of things that are unnecessary, or we'd add things that we didn't know yet. And there was a point when that stopped because we had to teach so many people that it just be- became a replication process. It's about producing certificates, not producing capable people. And that was one of the undoings of that place, um, at least for me, um, when I noticed like, okay, there's no development going on anymore. Now we're just jerking each other off, telling <laughs> us out like awesome we are because we're hardcore. And look at all these magazine articles that are written about our gym and I belong to this place. There's a literal point when I was getting clients who didn't know what I was good at. They were just there because the name. They and, wanted the T-shirt. Yeah, and the work yeah. that we've done. And it was like, oh, I, I could literally fuck these people up. And they would still be like, yep, it's good for me because I went to the hardcore place that I get to brag about. And really, that that's hard to accept when you go, I need to tear this whole thing down and start over. And so I have to leave this thing that I thought was so special because like, I outgrew it, which it. It should have never happened. That place was first started as a place that would perpetually grow, and it became stale, and it started to be poisonous in there. Um, And leaving was, like, it was emotionally devastating. You're leaving all these people that you respect, and, you know, but if you're doing the thing that is best for you, you kind of have to leap into that. And so one of the design features of this place is that we will never get to that point where uh, people will outgrow us right well, and that, that's hard to do. It means we constantly evaluate our own change. We're constantly adapting. Um, that's harder to do than you think. It means at every moment that you're accepting to change yourself, you have to accept to change you have to accept that you were wrong about something or you have to accept that you need to do things differently. So there's an amount of honesty here that does not feel good. It doesn't feel good all the time. Um, one of the hardest things that I have to do when I come in or writing something is realize that what I know now is actually not the correct thing, that I have to go out and learn the correct thing, or at least the correct thing for the time, because it'll change again. And that's process. Like that's, it's, it's true at the time. And that, that judgment, if we let that judgment about what we know be concrete, then we kind of stop there. Like we stop learning. Yeah. I think you say it in CrossFit
1: gyms to bring that up again is, you know, 10 years ago, people go, oh, this is the thing. And now they're going, it's not really the thing, but paychecks, paying bills. Like, I understand all of that, but you're basically stuck at this. You're so tied to what was that you no longer, like Michael said, you can't move forward anymore because you're tied to how much money your gym makes mm-hmm. and your values tied to how much, how big your house is or what your car is or you know, I can go around and say, I have 300 athletes in my gym. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, what do you know about any of those people? Like, yeah. yeah, like you, maybe you met their kids and you know, a little bit, cause they've been in your gym for a decade, but like, what do you really know about them? I mean, I've known you fairly intimately as a friend, um, for the better part of two or three years. And yeah. I find out new shit about you all the time. And I mean, I go to your house, your kids call me uncle, you know, uh, I love your wife, Girlfriend, whatever the fuck Savannah is, hurry up and marry her so I have something to do. Um, (laughs) But you know what I mean, like, and I'm still constantly learning about like struggles and stuff that you have. And I know Michael and I have had some pretty hard conversations, and we're finding out new things about each other all the time. So it's like
0: to truly help somebody, like, how can you do that with 300 people? Yeah, that's and that's the cool part too, right? Is like every symposium, we get closer with each individual that comes in. Some individuals might be completely turned off because they're not ready for it when they walk in. And all of a sudden, they come back to the next one two months later, and all of a sudden, we see a massive change, Mm -hmm. right? And you've guys done a podcast, and we've on nonprofit about that with, um, with Ben and Julia, right? Like, we've seen that. Then we also have individuals who thought this was going to be the old school Jim Jones way and everything else. And all of a sudden, they see Markup. up there talking about, you know, value and loving things and all this other stuff when everyone wouldn't expect that. Or they see Michael who they used to see at Jim Jones, right? Same thing with you as you're experiencing now endurance. And we just talked about just before this, we started talking is like that's your experience because everyone else is pushing you that way to do so. And it's just, again, a positive ripple effect.
1: Well, you talked about like individual programming earlier and I wanted to circle back to that because I I didn't like openly fight you on like individual programming didn't need to be a thing for everybody, but I constantly was like, man, I think it does. And now I don't. Hmm. I I think the individual um, interaction with clients is the thing that's most beneficial. And I don't necessarily think like, okay, every person that comes through the store needs something totally different physically from the space but they need to be pushed in certain ways, which might be a different workout. But it isn't like, oh, you need to back squat, you need to deadlift, you need to snatch. You need, like it's th- there doesn't need to be that much variety to make positive changes in people. But there does need to be. I can't I can't talk to George the way I talk to Michael. I can't talk to you know Brandon the way I talk to Vince. Like they're all different people. And while like when we all come together and have a good time. It's the personal individual interactions with those people that hopefully makes them better, but also makes me better. Because then I learn how to communicate and deal with, you know, either problems or not problems better for those people.
0: Yeah, And I, I've seen your change, especially when I moved out here and seeing you talk about this conversations with individuals and how when you train them and then watching Michael's like bring himself into talking and training clients. And it made me realize it's like, oh, all we're doing is trying to get into that room inside their head to then create vulnerability so that we can develop trust, which now lets us do our work. And I've seen that big time with a client here. With And we've mm-hmm. talked about that, right? I don't know if I text you, text you, but Andrew now, he started walking two miles on Friday. He's working and doing that stuff. He texts me and showed me all these things. And I was like, there it is. It's literally, it's like, we're literally... Breaking down doors that are inside individuals' heads to allow for us to see what really needs, uh, I don't mean, like needs guidance, yeah. right? And that has been the cool thing to see because then when we come here at the symposiums and we have everyone that comes into a circle, and the circling of the wagons is what we like to call it. It allows for us then to bring something new, right? Like, I'm an observer. I sit on the outside and observe and watch everyone talk and everything else, and I'll throw in my information when I can just because you guys have taught me to learn how to control my information don't overwhelm you and teaching literally you have it's it's an ongoing process with george (laughs) it it is it literally is an ongoing process but that's the thing though it's like if i want to stand next to you guys and i want to be a part of something as as a culture i need to continue working on myself and that has been the biggest thing from the symposiums is seeing everyone else that comes do the same exact thing Uh, this is a major feature and it's probably what drives me to keep
2: pushing so hard um Uh, is like when people come like uh, it's one thing to like sell a symposium ticket right and we're like at first that's our insecurity being like man are enough people gonna come even though we've sold out almost every single time minus like i think one time we didn't sell Mm -hmm. out but we also didn't ever talk about it so there there, there's that insecurity and then there's the insecurity about the people that keep coming back and i go god damn it like (laughs) quit coming back because now I can't say the same thing. Like, I can't just like take it easy. I like, give me some efficiency. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't have to write a new thing, but that actually pushes me in, in the, in the working up to these events is like, I have to have something new that I'm working on constantly. I have to push myself. Um, which sucks because then that means I have something new I have to work on constantly
1: and I have to push myself.
2: Right. And I never know how it's going to play out. Like when creativity goes away and I can't seem to get anything, I can't... All that is a feature of is that I'm holding back. I'm holding on to the the, the part of myself that likes how I am because I do. But that is a crutch. And really I need to go, no, there's a better, there's a better self here. I got to dig it out. And in order to dig it out, I have to like... Excavate the foundation over and over again i 'm constantly rebuilding it, and sometimes I get it wrong sometimes i don't change fast enough sometimes, but being honest about that is what allows you to change being like oh, i just i have this bad idea like i haven't got rid of my bad ideas, and it's it's not about it's, it's literally not about not having enough information. I have plenty of information. What you call talking, I call, I don't shut up. Like not shutting up is my feature. And that's basically what people come to see. Hey, let's like go to a symposium, watch Michael not shut up for 16 hours the reason i can do that is because i've i've begun like taking inventory about the things that i've learned over the past couple of decades and i've started to get rid of the things that are unimportant which clarifies it like it increases the signal to noise ratio of what i think is true and so i can clarify that or i can refine it i can make it better um there's this part about the symposiums where people come in and i see how fast they changed and i go fuck you like <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. Like, you did it better than me. So now I double down my effort. It's like I'll show you thing that constantly goes on in here. I mean, you know, me and Mark will go back and forth about, oh, yeah, you're learning something. I'll learn something faster and better. And so maybe they're different tools. And hopefully they are because the more tools that are in here, the more reference we have to working on stuff. Like, you reference tools as like, you know, a workout is a tool. So a, an individual program is just one way to do a tool, but I can take the same exact program and change how I use the tool, right? So if like a workout is a ball-peen hammer, I can hit it hard or I can hit it softly or I can turn the whole thing into a fucking sledgehammer if I have to. <laughs> the idea is that I, like there's nuance within how I apply things. And that that's a real mastery of understanding conversations with people. Uh, generally, all I have to do to change the feeling of a workout as opposed to changing the workout is what i say to the individual prior how am i going to set them up right yeah. am i going to set them up to fail cuz that's a useful tool or am i going to set them up so they want more more often than not i want that i want them to leave being like man i want more of what that felt like because that's that's breeding this like you know this future antagonist for myself That will then come to me and be like no don't you want more and i go yeah i forgot that i wanted more i was complacent and so i'll recommit to something and for us that is that's our strong like if if anybody wants to like you know understand why we're different it's because we commit to something and people and then we see it through and we we said it a long time ago i don't know on here but we uh, like commitment is currency to us yeah sometimes you don't pay with money you just pay to like showing
0: up every day and showing us that you're a good student yeah i mean i i put out i said action equals currency for me uh just because that is true right like you guys are doing things to promote this currency to make yourself better right and like keegan said the other day we were we were having dinner the other night with the kids and he was like He was like, for instance, you wrote something for the endurance manual, right? And he's like, it made him be like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I not writing it? When realistically, I didn't write it and be like, this is for nonprofit or for the endurance manual. It was literally me sharing my thoughts. And I believe that this was meant for you guys. Because again, because of the value you have put into me, and I believe the value goes back the same way, right? You don't, you, you give more than you take, Right, And hearing that, it's a ripple effect from hearing Michael now be like, oh, Mark's getting better at this. Michael's like, oh, I have to do it. Then it ripples down to Keegan. Then it ripples down to myself. And then, then me and Keegan now are doing this back and sure. forth. But then us doing that back and forth only elevates you guys as well. Right. And that has hopefully. been. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah. right? But yeah. that's, but the, the thing, though, is seeing it through, holding each other counta- accountable to go ahead and facilitate a conversation or thought or a change Right? Like, that's been the biggest thing, you know, that for me, it's like, oh, no, I now have accountability, for, not just for myself, but to others now, which I've never had since the military. Mm. You know, it's literally that, right? Michael and Mark and Keegan hold me accountable. Brandon, Vince, Aaron hold me accountable. You, all you guys, that's small. And then, we come into these symposiums and we meet new people or we see people who've come from the previous ones and you're like, wow, they also hold me accountable. They hold you accountable. They hold you accountable. And that's been the biggest takeaway for me is understanding that, oh, this this community is developing this culture to hold everyone accountable so that we can go ahead and grow in a most prosperous way, right? Mm-hmm. Like Keegan wrote an article about the deep roots aspect of that.
2: Yeah, uh, and that, that uh, I think that's... I mean, you can talk about that idea more. I just like on that on that idea of like seeing other people and being accountable to them. I think one of the things that I find most valuable um, is is being effective, right? Like I want to affect people in, in you know sometimes sometimes a negative manner, but mostly yeah. in a positive manner. But I can't do it all, right? Like I'm not I'm not somebody's bread and butter, and I think our our big thing is accepting people that just communicate or have a different style about them that have the same underlining ideology like we have the same kind of integrity to an ideal Um, it's not loyalty to a person um, it's loyalty to an idea like as long as this idea like idea of getting better or or commitment or autonomy is held up i want to i want to be like hey george you're better at this than me with this person Like, this is for you. Matching up people so that, like, everybody can, you know, accelerate at a large rate. I think
1: it's unbelievably freeing, too, to be able to have that, like, core group of people or whatever you want to call it where you're like – I mean, we did it with Andrew. Aaron was like, hey, do you want to coach this guy? And I've met him before, and I'm like, I feel like George would be a much better fit for that guy than it would be for me. Like. You, you've tattooed before he's a tattoo artist like you guys have a lot of things in common music it's a large thing yeah, yeah things yeah. like that that i'm like i would miss things he's saying because i don't understand any of that like it's not something i find enjoyable i don't have any interest in ever tattooing any whatever it is but like you guys had a similar mindset or at least have lived a life that's more similar to the one that i've lived so i was like oh it makes sense we're like me coaching brandon makes sense he's you know, he's this short, stocky, fucking little fucking pit bull that likes strength training, speaks bodybuilding, like mm. is enamored by stuff like that, and sends you point, pictures
2: of Frank Zane on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so so many. Dude, I I love that you've become the recipient of that. <laughs> I'm sure you do (laughs) because now you're not because yeah now I'm like I can back away and I can focus on other things instead of like golden age bodybuilding masturbation photos so he does he does the mountains with me yeah he does bodybuilding with you he does so he he does the um, Scandinavian home building style with me
1: oh nice oh I get uh, I get off road like
0: overlanding (laughs) stuff all the time now too because of the truck and all that shit I think we have to bring Brandon onto a show and let everyone see what I would. I'd just
2: rather him, he be an elusive. He's like a Wolverine, right? He's just like kind of elusive in the background, yeah. fucking shit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you disturb him at the wrong time, he'll rip your head off. But he's really like soft and cuddly. Oh, he really it's is. So true.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. But That's- so, multiple symposiums have been different. They're mm-hmm. different every single time. Sure. Right. You and and it's the cool part of seeing that. Right. Like me developing a a, a seminar for Softly, Mm -hmm. me and going teaching it to individuals like the Washington SWAT units Mm -hmm. or wherever else, I never approached it that way. Mm -hmm. I I always like, no, this is the the way we need to do it. Mm -hmm. And over time, what I realized was it got very stale and went away. Sure. But seeing what you guys have done with the symposiums and you been talking this morning, like, you know, you're like, I got to create something for Friday night because it's completely different than just doing a podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, like the one the one I first came to, you guys had um, Nick Laz and yeah. Josh Taylor come out and share, you know, spirits in and, and how we can look at that in, in a in a different way than what most people utilize it as. Right. He,
1: he means alcohol, not like the Holy Ghost. <laughs> not the Holy Ghost, yeah. Spirits yeah. We, in terms of alcohol. We baptized
0: everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we had holy
2: water. In, in tequila. <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Um, so that's the icebreaker before, because we find that like uh, a genuine conversation that needs to unravel, we kind of need to like shuffle things around to get people comfortable. So we invite people the, the night before to do some kind of activity. It's never like a big thing, but we've done book releases, art galleries. We, we try to keep it fun. And, and and it really keeps us on our toes because we're constantly thinking like, how are we gonna like how are we gonna incorporate people that we see as you know valuable people to us? how are we gonna incorporate them in to help us do this? because yeah. they can help us do more um, I, There's a, kind of this like uh, you know I mentioned the effective thing you you can kind of be you can either be well known or you can be effective and you can you can either uh, be popular um, or you can be ever evolving. And I think those are like the two concepts that I try to push is like I'm not worried about the the first two. I'm worried about the effectiveness and the constant flux and change. So our symposiums by design have never been the same. Yeah. And the way I do that is I pull the structure out of it. So I can't get in these same traps. Cause this is this is essentially like as a fitness core um a- analogy. If you have, like, when we first taught fitness, we were like, okay, there's the warm-up. Then there's the specific warm-up. Or, you know, general warm-up, specific warm-up. Then there's the priming, the muscle activation. Then there's my focus. And then there's the complementary and the supplemental. And by the time you start practicing that because you think it's the answer, that becomes your trap, right? Now I can't even train unless I apply this completely arbitrary structure to something that should be free and interpretable. So how we used to do it, I mean, we still have... We have um, we have markers in our symposium where I know at certain points I'm going to shift, right? So we have an introductory period. We have a you know uh, kind of an introduction of ideas, or questioning, and then we have a flip. So it, you know there's a threshold guardian there that we have to reach. When I feel like the group is on the same page, now I can kind of switch what the feel of the room is, and I can go down whatever category I feel. Th- that's kind of the only structure that I put on it that and the time and we're going to eat at night um, which is another feature of it like breaking bread metaphorically um i think is an important feature of human connection like you and same thing with physical effort um so before the pandemic a big feature of our symposiums was to actually do you know an event together before we got together to talk and that was our icebreaker so it, it, it happened a lot that we'd do the red bull 400 or something like that and i really saw it as like everyone comes in and in seven minutes of an effort, you have people that are like, yeah, I understand you, because now we have this thing in common. And that's a. I think that's an important part is having a thing in common, which is what the, the icebreaker tends to try to be.
1: Yeah, and I think the breaking bread and even the, like, I don't even want to call it, they're not breakout groups, but they kind of are when we have a, you know, we'll talk for 90 minutes, two hours. Sometimes it's like 30 minutes. And everybody's like, dude, we need a fucking break. But the interactions that happen at those times, I think, might even be more important to some degree than like the group coming together and discussing things. Yes. Um, I know I talked to Mark about it the other day. I'm sure you'll have similar stories as do I, like maybe there's a person here or there that they're not left behind, but they're kind of taken aback by what we're doing because we, it's hard to explain. So you're sitting there and you're like, what the fuck are we talking about? (laughs) And then you kind of, I mean, I'm sure we all see it like in the moment you're like, Oh, that, that person looks a little lost when we do, you know, a breakout or take a break, or it's dinner time, like I'm just gonna go check in, see how they're doing. That almost inevitably turns into like a 30 to 90 minute conversation, yeah. depending on how much time there is. And those are the little things that I think people keep coming back for. Like the group discussion is amazing and some of the places it's gone have been like fucking mind blowing. Mm. But to like pull somebody aside and like just have an honest conversation, even if it starts with like I don't get it. What do we or whatever it doesn't have to be positive all the time, but something that's, you know, it can the person can get their thoughts and ideas out and you can help them work through it or fuck sometimes they help me work through it. <laughs> um and and I think I don't think I know like when you go to other seminars like the person gets up and they speak and they like show you their fucking powerpoint and how brilliant they are and then you're left like uh cool and then they're gone hmm. because they don't have the time. They got to hop on a plane. Like there's no time for the individual, it's just, hey, I'm going to stand up here, show you how fucking smart I am. You can write down some stuff and go figure it out. And that's not what we do.
0: Yeah. And that's that's the cool part, right, is the individual conversations outside of the group discussion. And I never had an experience of that until I went to a trail camp for veterans called Band of Runners. And that's what it was. It was like, hey, here's your groups in groups of like five to six people. And you go out and do your runs and then we would go and conversate in the middle of those runs and efforts, then we'll come back and break bread. It was a five-day trail camp. And when we started having individual conversations at dinner or breakfast or lunch, it only amplified the group conversations. It only brought out, you know, it, it broke down walls. It broke down barriers that allowed for them to go ahead and facilitate the proper thought process that they needed to allow for us to, or allow for me or for whoever else is there to go ahead and move forward with it, right? And that's been the biggest thing I've seen here as well Was the individual conversations throughout breaking bread or on the outsides when we break. Because there's times where I know I've come in, like, you know, and we break for a conversation and all of a sudden I'm now talking to someone for 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy cow, what just happened? And then we bring it back into the group discussion. We bring it out there, and then we have a collective group because one person needed help moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. We needed help moving energy. Mm-hmm. And that's it is, right? And that's all that really is, is, that individual conversation is help moving energy to go ahead and then move the energy of the group forward of where we want to go. And again, it's not looking at Mark, Michael, or Keegan when you're sitting at the very front of it as the, the prime authority, right? We're all that. Mm-hmm. You guys are just there to be the the individuals who help them cross the
2: bridge, yeah, I, I think <laughs> it's a feature of our laziness, but it's also like the genius of the design is like uh, it shouldn't be us and our opinions. it should be everybody that showed up kind of has maybe an idea and they share something, and therefore their ideas are valuable, and a lot of people like we look at we look for authorities because we're scared to be an authority ourselves, so in general, we're like who said that is he a phd is it somebody that like is is it somebody with experience specific to this thing which could be important but the the experience as a human is important everybody has had different experiences and if you've been on this earth for you know longer than fucking 25 years you probably have an opinion yeah. that might be worth listening to uh, especially if you if you found us it's because of a reason like yeah. we said something that either resonated or it caused curiosity or anger and for you to confront that means that you're on the right path, which is
0: pushing us down that path, and path too. Yep. And, and and I want to also like state that individuals that come to these symposiums, mm-hmm. you know, you've had PhDs, you've had doctors, surgeons, brain sure. surgeons. Yeah. We've you've you've had some high level thinkers come into here sure. with individuals who have no idea at all how to facilitate their own thought process because they've always been told how to think, Mm -hmm. right? right? And it's like that is the cool part about this is like if you're looking to come to the symposium and experience it, understand that you're going to have to create your own thought process and learn how to find the right words to go ahead and get them out. And I think a lot of people don't know how to do that today.
2: Mm. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's common for me to be the least qualified person in the room. To be like doing what I'm doing, at least from the standpoint of like formal education or certifications or whatever. On on terms of authority, I'm not one by paper. Like I'm not I'm not anybody who would see as like whatever. Like I have a, a, a hair license. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be expired, and it's probably expired. expired. <laughs> I know. So I'm, even the one thing that i have actually like officially formally trained in, I kind of let lapse, um, which doesn't bother me in the least. It just shows how fundamentally people think that we need this structure and they don't value experience of somebody's life experience as real experience. Yeah. Um, That's kind of like the trap of
1: society, I feel like right now is, you know, we keep looking to all these people that are experts in a field, but none of those people actually know like how that like trickles down to human beings. Right. Yeah. That aren't, they don't have that knowledge, but they have experience, they live life. I mean, we all do, but whatever. But, you know, you can't take, we see it with coaches, like, you know, you know, your fucking $30 words and your $100 words or whatever. And you go to talk to a client and it's super fucking impressive. And, you know, you know, every Latin term for every muscle in the body, but you have no idea how to connect on like a personal level with a human being where they can actually make change that they're trying to do. You just go, oh, yeah, like, you know, you're, I can't even think of a fucking Latin word for a muscle right now, but whatever it is medialis that's what
0: i was actually vmo
1: right and but like nobody gives a shit like you need to know it to a degree but nobody that walks through those doors wants to have that conversation every day and if i'm just out there being like look how smart i am they're gonna be like oh man like i don't want to say anything now because i'm going to sound like an idiot if i have to ask him like what a back squat is or why this muscle below my knee hurts or that i don't know what it's called and like you're almost like shutting down the conversation by being the authority
0: yeah,
2: that's... Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, we, we have like a really bad habit of, because we can describe something and categorize it and give it a name, generally Latin or whatever, we have the, the idea or the misperception that it means that we know about it, right? And there's this like detachment from our scientific method of, like, describing things, measuring them, putting them in a category, and then actually knowing them and intuiting them and feeling them and understanding how the body actually works. Hmm. And that doesn't come from anybody telling you how to do it. You can't tell somebody how to feel something. They have to learn how to feel it. And that that's the huge separation between our intellectual world and our, um, em, like, emotional, like, bodies. Yeah.
0: Just being able to have the exposure to feel. Yeah.
1: I mean, it- I, when I started powerlifting, I mean, it, I'm a fairly big guy. I was, you know, close to 300 pounds. I distinctly remember a point when I was training with Jesse where, I mean, I was coaching at that point, and people would be like, oh, how do you back squat? I'd be like, oh, you just like, you know, squeeze your upper back muscles together, like whatever it is. And then one day I finally actually did it and felt it and I was like fuck it took me like five years to figure this out and I'm just telling people haphazardly to like oh just do this and like you know you feel it right and of course they're going to say yes most of the time because they don't want to say no because then it they're like oh I'm an idiot I don't uh, not yeah no I get it I get it so like you're again like shutting down the conversation as opposed to like understanding how to do it and be like oh it took me this fucking long Somebody that comes in here that's not my size, that doesn't have my muscle, how are they going to feel muscles they don't even like really fucking have?
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's something that I've had to deal with for myself as well in terms of like when I was a weightlifter, Mm -hmm. right? Like I coach quite a few athletes, help get them to national level and all that good stuff. But what I realized was like, if I need to teach this in the way I need to know what it really feels like, yeah. And that's literally the truth, right? And I have a saying never be a studio gangster, mm. right? Like, never be a studio gangster to where it's like you say you did this, but you actually never have done it, or you do it in a controlled setting to where it never really gave you the experience of exposure for you to have that experience that you need to one, teach someone else, or really have to make create change. Yeah. Right. And that there, again, bringing it back to the symposium, you guys offer that exposure. You offer an individual to feel what it is to go ahead and create their own thought process, mm-hmm. to go ahead and have a conversation with someone they've never met in their life and go ahead and open up about things that they've never opened up before about, right? And that has been a huge eye-opener for me because it, now it's like, cool, if I want to go and sit in these symposiums and listen, I need to be able to know what it feels like to have a conversation, to expose myself to those kinds of talks, mm-hmm. right? And it goes back to, again, right? It's just holding myself accountable to my own authority.
2: Yeah. it's And it's kind of weird how rare it is now, I mean, to have a conversation with somebody and not, and not based on the premise that I'm supposed to inform them about something or they're supposed to inform me about something. As soon as it becomes like a, a, an open conversation about whatever may rise up people have to be so careful because you know you don't want to offend somebody you don't want to say the wrong thing or like you don't want to reveal your cards like i'm this kind of person too early if somebody does like all the judgment comes out like oh that person's like this because they voted for this person or they eat this way or they exercise with this tool and in reality like that that's that is the unraveling of a progression right when you can't have an actual conversation all things stop because you just basically contract back into whatever you last thought was true, and I think the inherent uh, benefit of having an open conversation can uh, only happen once the people provoking it like cut open their bellies in front of everybody. So that takes uh, a, a lot. It takes a lot of like humility to be like, "Oh, here's my you know weak yeah. side. Check this out." Because vulnerability is change right when you find something that's vulnerable you also see whether it's vulnerable because it's weak or it's perceived weak but most things that are vulnerable and strong can shift right like the idea about my about my ego and where where I'm arrogant and what I'm doing as soon as I bring that up and I lay it out on the table I almost disarm its power yeah. right because before I'm perceiving myself as being a, no I'm not arrogant I'm not egotistical I'm not narcissistic I don't I'm not like that well I just masked something that could or could not be true. And as soon as I put the worry out in front of everybody, now I can get feedback on to whether that's true or not, how I perceive myself. Is how I perceive myself accurate? Hmm. I mean, Keegan kind of talked about this. This It's like a big feature of how I learn is I generally ask people, hey, how do you see me? And that's a really weird question. It's not common. Um, And I didn't realize it's not common until you ask it to somebody and they look at you like, uh, am I gonna get this wrong? I was like, "There's no wrong answer. Just like, tell me what you think. How'd you like? You can speak about it physically. You can speak about it emotionally. You can speak about it like gossipy. Like however you think, um, is important to me. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm like whatever you say. I'm not gonna like judge you based off of what you say. I'm inherently curious. I think that's humans are a better reflection than any mirror will ever provide.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's funny because like I had a, my friend Mike. He said that we were. We were doing something, and he he asked me. He's like, "Hey, what do you see when you walk into a room?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "What do you see in everybody when you I walk into?" I see in dead t- people, right? I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a very interesting question for me because I never was able to put that put those two together. Mm-hmm. I never like really truly realized like when I walk into a room, I see myself. Like I see myself in you, Keegan, right yeah. now. I see myself in you, Michael, mm-hmm. right, and vice versa. But it, it, it took me a very long time to have that click and being like, oh, if I want to become, if I see you sad, there's something going on with me. Right, because I'm, I'm, I'm a reflection of that. Why is that? And I could be completely wrong and it might change down the road, but that's something I look at, especially when we have these symposiums, mm-hmm. right, when individuals open up and talk about things and do all that. It's like, oh, I actually feel that way too. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're, you know, you cut your belly open like you mentioned. And I actually have the same exact thing inside that belly of mine as well, yeah, yeah. and I want to sh- and it w- let's just get it out and let's heal through this together
2: yeah, and that, and that is really a function of like staying alive that that is fitness to me, right being able to just know yourself and keep moving forward and and it's going to change like how I am now is not how I'm going to be tomorrow, so I have to constantly ask um last w- weekend, I had like a uh, I met this lady, she's a phenomenal person. I do not understand her at all. she's just a very strange person. Um, she's a, she's a Lakota medicine woman. And so she's, she's like like this really, and she's been doing it for 50 years or something ridiculous like that. So she, her inherent knowledge in like indigenous practices and, and her way of living has, is completely different than mine. Um, and I couldn't wait because we spent some time together and we talked for hours and I was like, I'm ready for the question. Finally, like, how do you see me? And she was like, Ooh, good question. And I was like, "It is because I'm gonna. I'm about to learn a lot." And she was like, "I can't describe it in words, but I feel you. Like I can feel there's something about you, and it's indescribable. I feel like you have no identity. That you're like an enigma." And I go, "That's exactly how I see myself. <laughs> it's like literally, like you, she's the first person to nail what I have been feeling. Which is I don't. I don't ever. I'm not like." I'm not a baseball player. I'm not, a, you know, I don't describe myself as a fitness coach. I don't describe myself as a musician or whatever. I just take part in these things that change my inherent practice. And that, at first, was terrifying for me because I'm always trying to prove myself.
0: Trying to label, right?
2: Yeah, like, I just want people to think that I'm good at something. And that that's an inherent flaw of mine that I had to be honest about and be like, Okay, it doesn't mean I stop trying to prove myself. I just know the traps, and one of the traps is: well, I'm trying to prove myself as an athlete. Well, guess what? I'm going to get hurt because I'm not in tune with how I feel. I'm in tune with how I look to the world, my appearance, right? So as soon as I dismantle my ego and my identity, and that doesn't mean I'm not egotistical. I absolutely am. Like I, I, I know what I'm good at. Hopefully, I'm accurate about what I know that I'm good at, and that. That will make me that'll make me effective still, but I'm not worried about what I appear as as according to like whatever category you can put me in. Yeah, and therefore I can keep changing. So to get to get some feedback from somebody I respect, it goes, man, it's I don't know. I go perfect. I'm doing something correct. I'm going to keep going down this path. The second someone goes, oh, you're this person, I'm going to go fuck. Okay, I got to like you know, I got to undo some
0: stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? When you say like, it's okay to have an ego, but make sure your ego is effective in a positive way. Yeah, for sure.
2: You need you need like to. We think of ego as pejorative, but part of like philosophical duality is is that it is part of you. It's it's your recognition of yourself. That is your ego, right? Like there's you, and then there's your idea of you, which is kind of in your mind. And the, I think the easiest way to put this is in language we describe it all the day, all day, right? There's first person, which is me. There's second person, the person you're talking to, and then there's third person. That's your self-reference. That's who I am to myself. Your ego is your third person. That's why it sounds egotistical. If I was going to be like, "Michael's a badass," you'd be like, "What a fucking prick!" And, but that's how the ego sounds. The ego is required to accomplish anything because the ego can can identify and envision and project your future greatness, right? If we are all humble all the time, we wouldn't get a fucking thing done because we don't, we think we're like, we're on our knees. Mm-hmm. I mean, both these terms, hubris and, and and humility, come from the same root word, which is Hamas, which means from the earth. It's all from the earth. Everything returns to the earth. Mm-hmm. One of it gets you out of the ground, the other puts you down in the ground. So humility is bringing your knees to the earth and ego or hubris is actually standing up from the earth, right? That That's your greatness. That's your pride. And so although we say, you know, you should have an ego, it just can't be the driver. You know, take the ego with you. Just put it in the fucking trunk. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like what you just said too about, man, I'm going to probably butcher this, but, you know, hopefully you're egotistical about the right things. Yeah. Because yeah. that helps you move forward, where if you're just that, I'm all-knowing, I'm the best at this, you're, again, just stuck in that place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, if you don't have an idea of or the confidence in yourself to go, I can do this thing better than this person, then who's going to fucking drive the truck? Correct. Like who's going to get it? If, if we all need to get something done, like in, in, a, in a team, uh, um, like organization or anything like that, if, if everybody's humble, no one's going to fucking raise their hand and be like, I'll fucking do it. You know, yeah. and that doesn't mean there's not somebody better than me. It just means I can get it done, and I'm going to do my best at the job that needs to get done. So mm-hmm. it actually starts a team environment. You also need people that are kind of unsure about things because they have a position too, right? That you need to develop them and foster their own hubris in a in an honest, um, respectful way. Yeah, you know?
0: man. Yeah, we probably can keep talking about this for. <laughs> For a couple more hours, but for sure, I mean, yeah. we do. For <laughs> I would say that's what the
2: symposium. <laughs> that's what the symposium is going to be, or, or our everyday conversation. Our everyday conversation. Uh, it is kind of a good taste of what goes on, which is like we start with some like some banter, and then it becomes something, and then it shifts, it morphs, it transforms, and hopefully, if the conversation transforms
0: enough, people can transform themselves. Yeah. Well, there it is. How well. I'm going to go ahead and do this. How can they reach you guys, and how and how will they be able to access to get to the symposium? Um,
2: so this one is probably uh, I think there's one more spot left, um, which is taken as far as I'm concerned. I think somebody's just waiting to see if they can get a flight. Um, that being said, we'll have another one probably in September. We're thinking our website is nonprofit.media. That's nonprofit with a ph profit as in in the desert, not as in the money making, which we do not do yet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, like all of us are on it. Keegan's on Instagram, Keegan Dillon. I'm on there, grit and teeth. Uh, there's a nonprofit account at um,
1: underscore nonprofit underscore.
2: Yes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, we don't keep up yeah. that much with it. And Mark's on there as well. Uh, WfMFT is his handle, so you can find out. You know, there's. There's tons of free writing, there's journal entries, there's kind of a log um, of training and concepts and ideas that go behind those concepts, and then there's also material that we sell, we sell zines and books
0: about kind of this philosophy, so there's plenty of things. Yeah, guys, and if you're listening now and you're just new to listening to these guys conversate, they actually run a, a, a podcast oh, as right. well. We, we have a podcast. Too. And you also got a podcast. <laughs> I forgot. Um, where <laughs> you are can... in that podcast <laughs> studio fucking right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, um, where If you want to go ahead and, and develop more curiosity of what nonprofits doing and and create your own thought process and hear what they have to say. Cause I'll tell you what, I when I first started listening to the podcast, it was either I got angry about certain things or it was like <laughs> I was interested and I was like, what the fuck? What's going on? And I was called to move out here <laughs> nice. to, you know, to go ahead and continue growing and learning. So um if you guys have any questions for me, you know how to reach me, or uh it's like gb 300. I fucking forgot my Instagram also. You're, you're
1: looking at us like we know what it I is. fucking
0: forgot mine as well. Anyways, if you guys need to get a hold of us, please reach out. Um, We'll put everything in the show notes. So, again, thanks for listening, and thanks for your time, guys. Thanks, Thanks, George.